This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad and he had no real direction in life ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James. He was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. It's all about how to reach people for God. What a beautiful day God has given us today. And if you're here for the first time with us, we want to thank you to come, for coming and worshiping with us this morning. And uh, we just want you to know that we are here helping people experience and uh, we, wanna, we want people to experience the hope found in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Just like what you saw right now in the video. Experience the hope is our desire that you will experience the hope. So if you have come this morning discouraged or dealing with any difficulties in your life, 
experiencing adversity, uh, we pray that today will be a day that you will experience the hope found in a changing relationship with Jesus Christ at Hope City Church. So last week at Hope City Church, we began looking at what God values. And what God values is what we should value as believers, as Christians. Uh, you know, therefore, so if God values something, we as a church should value the same thing God values. So remember, uh, a value statement is a brief declaration that describes what God values, and it becomes the church's priority. It defines the lifestyle of a church. What you value defines the lifestyle of the church. So last week we talked about the value of love. Without love, the Bible says, we are nothing. No matter what we do, no matter how strong we do it, no matter how tough we, we, we can be, without love, it doesn't matter. If we do anything without love, it doesn't count. It doesn't, it, it doesn't do any good because Jesus first loved us. We compassionately are called from God to love others. So our second value is what we're going to be looking at today. Our second value is to reach. There's no way you can love people and know that they're struggling and they're going through a tough time and not try to reach out to those people who are struggling, who are experiencing adversities, who are experiencing a tough time in life. So our second value is reach because God values reaching people. We value reaching people because Jesus is our hope. We aim to reach every generation with His message of salvation. It is God's main priority to reach intentionally. Not not to reach by accident, but to reach intentionally. It is God's priority. The, The reason the Father sent His Son was to reach lost people. And it is a command that we have received from God. And many times we easily forget that. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says that for the Son of Man, talking about Jesus Christ, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There was one mission. There was one main thing in Jesus' mind when He came to earth. And when He came to earth, and if if you can understand this, we're set. If we can understand this, we're said that that was his mission. And when he, when he left and went back to heaven, he entrusted that mission to the church. So if the church is not reaching to the people who are in need in our community and in our families and the people that we know in our job, in our workplaces, we have missed what the purpose of God calling us is. Unfortunately, Many people have forgotten the mission. Statistics say that after two years of a person becoming a believer, they usually lose about 90% of their contacts outside of the church. And we can easily become so comfortable within the church that we forget about the people outside of the church. We forget about the people who are in need. We forget about those people who are struggling. We forget about those needs, that, those people that need a helping hand so we can come on the next to them on their side and try to be there for them, try to help them and try to reach them and try to give them the hope that they need. The hope that we have found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So our mission is also to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Because that was Jesus' mission, and that's what God values, is what we should value. There's a story that illustrates how, uh, you know, how the church is dealing with its mission. In this story, I heard this story from Pastor John MacArthur years ago, many, many years ago, and that story got stuck in my head. And the story goes, uh, talking about a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur. A crude little life-saving station was built in that, in that place. The building was just a hot and there was only one boat. But a few devoted members kept on constant watch over the sea and with no thought of themselves. They went out every day and night tirelessly searching for the lost. People who were drowning in the sea. Many lives were saved, this story tells, by their devoted efforts. After a while, the station became famous. Some of those who were being saved, as well as others in the surrounding areas, wanted to become associated with the work that they were doing. They give of their time, and they give of their money, and they give of their effort for the support of this work. New boats were bought, and new life-saving crews were trained. And the little life-saving station just kept on growing, kept on growing. Some of the members of the life-saving station, some of the members uh, were unhappy with the building. The building was so crude and poorly equipped. And they felt, you know, that they had to do a campaign. And we're going to do a campaign, we're going to raise money, and we're going to make this bigger. And felt more, uh, you know, comfortable, uh, you know, doing that and providing for all those people who were coming, uh, that they were rescuing in, in, in the sea. So they replaced the emergency coats, they replaced the beds, they put better furniture in, in the enlarged new buildings now. So the life-saving station became a popular gathering, place for its members, and they decorated beautifully and, and became a popular gathering place for its members to talk to each other and hang out. So they were having a good time. Sort of, uh, you know, used to kind of like a club. Fewer members were now interested in going to, the, to, uh, to sea and, uh, in a life-saving missions. Because they were having such a good time. It's not, you know what, let, let's not do that. Let's let somebody else do that. So they hired lifeboats. To do the work. Now they, while they were hanging out, somebody else will get paid to do that. The life-saving station motive still prevailed in the club's decorations. But they were not doing what their life motive was. And there was a liturgical lifeboat in the room where the club held its initiations. About this time, a large shipwreck happened off the coast, and, and the hired crews, uh, you know, brought out lots of people. Because they were, they were drowning, and they brought them over to the life station, to the lifeguard station, and they, they were dirty. And they put them into the showers, and they helped them and everything, so they dirtied the place, they disorganized the place. And the beautiful new club was terribly messed up. So the property, the property committed immediately had a shower house built outside. So the, the, the people that they were rescuing, those, they don't have to come inside. We, they can take showers outside. Let's leave them outside. The club where, where the victims of the shipwreck could be clean before coming inside. At the next meeting, they had a split in the, life, uh, in, in, in the, in the station. They had a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities. 
They were so comfortable with each other. They had become such a nice social club. That the activities, they wanted to stop the activities of saving people. Actually, saving people became unpleasant. And a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. Some members insisted upon life saving as their primary purpose. And so the other group pointed out that if they were still interested in that, they can go down the street and start another life-saving station. As the years went by, that other new station experienced the same changes that the first one did. And when you look at along that sea coastline, what you find is a lot of social clubs, but not saving stations. Shipwrecks continue to happen in those waters. But most of the people are drowning because there is no life-saving stations, but there is a lot of social clubs. What a simple and striking illustration of the history of many churches. But the work of life-saving... The work of reaching is none less the purest and the truest and the, on, uh, the, the more novels and the most essential work the church will ever do. If there's one reason God has saved us, it's so that we can do the same with others. If God has saved you, from the sea of sin where we were drowning, God didn't save you so that you don't do the same thing to others. To the contrary, He saved you so you can do and help others also come to salvation. The work of rescuing people from the breakers of hell is the greatest work the church will ever do. It is God's great concern. John 3.16 is a popular verse. John 3.16, God so loved the, that He gave His only begotten Son. So whoever believes in Him, will have, what will happen? Will have eternal life. So that is the purpose. That is the mission. There is no other reason why God, God saved you. To transform your life, but a transformed life will share that transformation with other people. And we can make a difference in the world by doing that. The greatest work in the heart of God, the greatest concern in the mind of God, is to value the saving of people who are drowning in the sea of sin in the world. Winning the lost, reaching the lost, is God's greatest concern. That's why He sent Jesus. So He sent His only begotten Son so He can save the people. Save them from what? Save them from everything the people are going through nowadays. Saving from all these adversities. Saving them from all these things that are hurting people day after day after day. Saving people from all the confusion that is going on out there. God sent Jesus so He can save the world. And Jesus, when He left, He left us a command by telling us, just as I have done, you are supposed to do. 
In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man, and, and pay attention to this, because this is a simple verse to understand. There is no other reason why Jesus came. It says right here, For the Son of Man, it's come to seek and to save that which was lost. So if Jesus came for that reason, and if we belong to Jesus, are we doing the same thing Jesus came for? That reason why He has saved us. This is the last verse in a story, in a very story. The story of Zacchaeus. The story of Zacchaeus is a story of the Lord seeking and saving a lost man, a man who was lost he was looking for meaning. And he couldn't find meaning in his life. And frankly, it is my opinion that there is no more wonderful, no more glorious, no more important truth in the Bible than this one verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is the reason why Jesus came. It is the single most important truth from the human viewpoint ever given in the Scripture, that God came in human form to seek and to save sinners, it, it is the heart of Christianity. It is the heart of the message. So God values lost people. And so should we. We should value people. We're not here to judge people. If you are judging people, you are doing what the Pharisees used to do. We're not here to judge people. We're not here to see how people are coming. How are they dressed today? We're not here to see how do they look. We're here today to love on people and reach them and give them hope. With the hope that is found in the life-changing relationship of, with Jesus. I mean, as a matter of fact, Jesus loved to spend time with sinners and tax collectors. Did you know that? Jesus loved to spend time with these people who nobody wanted to be with them. In the passage in Luke 19, it's not the first time that Jesus is spending time with the tax collector, with Zacchaeus, and sinners. At least five or six more times in the same book of Luke, at least five or six times, you see in different places where Jesus was spending time with people that nobody cared for. As a matter of fact, the people, in the, the people of Israel considered these tax collectors people who were really bad. You would not even stay close to them or next to them. You did not want to be with them. And those people who they didn't want to be with, those people were the ones Jesus was with. Is that who we're spending time with? After two years, 90%, Christians lose 90% of their contacts. Who does not know Christ. That's the reason why only 2% of believers have experienced bringing somebody to the feet of Jesus. Lifetime. 2%. That means most Christians never experience that. But that is the mission. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. God values lost people. In Luke chapter 5, verse 29, it says that Levi, who is Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew after, after years, years later, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. But guess what? This is after 
Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the table with the tax collectors. Tax collectors, they, the people of Israel hated tax collectors. And they, they didn't like them at all. They hated them with passion. And why was that? Because they would go and get their taxes from people, but the, 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 the Roman Empire would tell them, well, charge them a hundred bucks. And instead of charging a hundred bucks, they will say, well, we got to charge you a hundred and fifty. And those fifty, it was money that were stealing from their own people. They didn't like them. They were betraying their own people. And they were put in the same level as the, as the, uh, you know, as the other sinners, the prostitutes, the thieves, and all that. And Levi is throwing a banquet for Jesus at his house. That was not acceptable for the, the leaders, the religious leaders. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others. So it wasn't just one tax collector. It was a crowd of people, uh, it was a crowd of tax collectors and other people who were also. And, and the Pharisees, the religious people, which please, do not be a religious person. A religious person, religion is your effort to try to get to God. You will never get there. A relationship with God is His effort making it to you. His effort coming to you, reaching to you through Jesus Christ. Religious people are those people who have a bunch of rules. Because of a bunch of rules, if you fit these rules, as a matter of fact, the Pharisees... They went from the Ten Commandments to 633 commands. 633 commands? Like, who can do that? Who can ever fulfill that? So the Pharisees are thinking, how dare is he spending time with non-believers? And Jesus knew what they were talking about. Jesus knew what they were thinking and what they were talking about. They were murmuring. And Jesus answered to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So I have not come to call the righteous. I didn't come to spend time with the ones who believe they're healthy, even though they're not. But I came to spend time with sinners. I came to spend time with sinners so they can repent of their sin. Same thing in Luke chapter 15. He was again with another group of tax collectors. He was now with tax collectors and sinners. And they were all gathering around Jesus. You know, you know what? I, I always ask this question. Why were tax collectors, why were sinners always looking to spend time with Jesus? You know, these guys were always looking for Jesus. Why is it that sinners and non-believers, instead of running to us, they run away from us? Could it be a lot of times that people feel that Christians are very judgmental? Could it be a lot of times that we are judgmental? And, and if people don't live in a certain way the way we think they should, then that's not acceptable. If they don't think how I think I said it last week, if they don't look how I look, if they don't talk how I talk, then it's not acceptable. But Jesus didn't care about that. Jesus didn't care about that. He wanted to hang out with the people who he knew they needed him. And so he didn't ignore people. He didn't judge people. As a matter of fact, he says, I didn't, he said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. 
And so tax collectors were always looking for Him. People, sinners were always looking for Him. And, and in verse 3, Jesus knew what they were talking about because they were also criticizing Jesus in verse 2. And, and they were talking about, you know, I, I, this guy spending time with people that we don't like. And Jesus knew, and then Jesus told them the parable. You know this famous parable, the parable of, of the shepherd looking for the lost sheep. And he said, you know what, he, he, he left the 99 and went for the one. And went for the one, and in verse 6 he says, and, and he goes home. He finds the lost one, he, he, puts him, he puts the sheep on his shoulders, and, and he goes home, and then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. Every time you bring one sinner to the feet of God, to the feet of Christ, they rejoice in heaven. And we know this. So why is it that a lot of times we don't do it? It's like heaven. It's like if you have the medication that will heal people from sickness. And you keep it to yourself. Instead of sharing it. So you can make others better. It's not giving by grace what you have received by grace. And then in our passage, now we go to Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. You have it in your outlines, but you also have it up here. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. But a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax, chief tax collector and was wealthy. You know why he was wealthy, because he was stealing from people, right? So he wanted, to, he, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I would assume people would say, Man, Jesus is giving him the time of the day. But no, that's not what religious people did. All the people saw this and began to mutter. They were murmuring. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How dare he? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I'm making a commitment to you. Do you ever wonder what really makes Zacchaeus make that commitment to Jesus? The reason Zacchaeus made that commitment to Jesus is because Jesus showed him love. Love conquers it all. Jesus showed him that he cared. And Jesus, and he said, Lord, I'm making a commitment to you. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. He had stole so much from people. Lord, 
I'm going to give half of everything I have. And, and he goes, if I had cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus recognized that Zacchaeus had come to surrender his life to him, but he came to surrender his life to Jesus because Jesus had shown him love and compassion. Jesus had acknowledged him. Today, salvation has come into this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So what kind of things should we observe in this passage? I want you to observe with me in this passage. Number one, lost people... Believe it or not, lost people are always looking for hope and answers. Lost people are out there looking for hope and for answers about life. You know, I mentioned to you guys last week about how people are so confused today. I I, I remember back in the days, there was no confusion about men and women. There was no confusion... You're a man, you're a man. You're a woman, you're a woman. Now, I remember the day that they came up with 14 different um, genders. Now it's, yeah, it's gone up little by little, keeps on going up, right? Now it's 68. Are people confused or not? People are confused. And, And so, a lot of these people who are confused... It's simple biology. But a lot of these people are confused. And a lot of Christians, and I I, I don't apologize if that is you. If that is not you, praise God. But if that is you, I don't apologize. A lot of Christians are judging those people instead of loving on them and showing them with love the way to God. We're judging those people. That's not our place. Who make you a judge? That's what Paul said. Who made, no, nobody made you a judge. You are sent to save what's lost. You are sent to save what's lost and to bring him to the feet of Christ. But the way you do that, you do that with love. You do that with compassion. I want you to see that the first thing you see, you, you, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and, and Zacchaeus was there. He was a chief, ta- chief tax collector and was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. He had a need. He wanted to see who is this Jesus who can change my life. And, and, and so he was, he was wondering. Because people are looking for hope. And people are looking for answers. Zacchaeus was there looking for hope and answer. As a matter of fact, when he said, you know, there's a big crowd coming over there. There's a tree over there. There's a big crowd. A tree. Big crowd. I won't be able to see him. I'm going to run. And it says that he went forward. Got on the tree to his surprise. You know, to his surprise, Jesus knew who he was. He had never met Jesus. 
He had never met Jesus. But, but one thing that I want you to pay attention in verse 3. In verse 3 it says that he wanted to see Jesus because he was short. He couldn't see over the crowd. What does that tell you? That tells you the Zacchaeus, even though he wanted, to, he wanted to experience hope, he wanted to know, he was curious, he also had a limitation. Now, do you think people have limitations today? Do you think people are experiencing a lot of limitations? A lot of influence? Especially from the media. I just can't believe a lot of times what goes on in that. You know, I don't even watch news anymore. I don't even watch news anymore. I mean, once in a while I hear, hear things here and there, but it's so much that they're trying to brainwash people that they make them more confused. And that just doesn't make them confused only, but it also, people have limitations. A lot of times, what do you think those limitations can be? A lot of times we might be limiting people from coming to the feet of Christ, from, sur- from surrendering to Jesus. Our own behavior sometimes. A, a lot of times it, it, it's something that is their culture. A, a lot of times it, it, it's, it, it's just problems, you know, the way they were raised in their family. And what they're used to it. And, and it's like they have a lot of limitations. And God has saved us so we can help those people with limitations and show them the way. But they're not going to listen to you unless they know you love them. They're not going to listen. Because number two, lost people don't care how much you know. Lost people don't care how much you know, but they pay attention how much you care. They, they see your actions. And they care for how much you care. They pay attention to how much you care, not how much you know. You know, I, I, I found a lot of Christians becoming big theologians, right? And they have all this knowledge. And, and they come to non-believers and they, they talk to non-believers expecting them to apply the Scriptures in their lives. No, they're non-believers. They're not going to apply Scripture in their lives. The Bible says that they're blind until they come to the knowledge of Christ. You cannot expect an unbeliever to behave as a believer because they're not believers. You as a believer, on the other hand, should behave as a believer and show them love and show them compassion and help them with those limitations and show them that you care. If people don't love you, they're not going to love your God. Do you understand that? People need to learn to love you and trust you before they listen to what you have to say. Look at what, is, what happened there in verse 5. Jesus showed him that he cared. When Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was in the, on the tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I can imagine Zacchaeus. What, what do you think his reaction was? He knows me? Have you ever have you ever met people and, and then you learn their names? And then you next time you see them, you say hi by their names? Have you ever done that? You know that when you do that, as a matter of fact, church, you got homework. When you meet people, learn their names. 
I'm sorry, what was your name again? People are like, this person doesn't even care. But when you keep on telling somebody their name, you're showing that you care. And so when he heard his name from Jesus, I can imagine Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus used to like, he knows my name. And he's telling me, oh, I can imagine. He probably jumped off that tree. I must stay at your house today. Jesus was a very busy person. We know that. So you can imagine Jesus being a, 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 the busiest person that you can imagine. And, and, and Jesus is making the time to go spend time in his house. A lot of times we're so busy that we don't spend time with people who don't know Jesus. And if we don't spend time with people who don't know... I mean, we're good at spending time... Remember, remember the story about the life-saving station? They were good at hanging out together, right? But who was hanging out with the ones who were drowning? We're good at hanging out together. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But we cannot forget the mission. We, we should hang out together. We should encourage one another, the Bible says. We should love one another. We should encourage one another. But if you're not doing the other part, you're only halfway. And the other part is continue life, mission, saving life. I must stay at your house. So he showed that he cared. So he came, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I'm, sh- I'm sure he was so happy. He, he, couldn't, he probably didn't have words to express how happy he was. Meanwhile, the Pharisees were like, you know what? He's going to go eat to a sinner's house. Lost people will see you first before they see your God. They will see how you behave before they see what God can do for them. If, you know... Why were these sinners attracted to Jesus? I believe these sinners were attracted to Jesus because He cared for them. He had compassion. He loved them. And in verse 6 it says that He was gladly welcoming Him into His house. The Pharisees and religious people were always good to be, you know, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. While people who walk like Jesus walk, they were like, you know what, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about these people who need me. I'm worried about these people who need hope. I'm worried about these people who are having a struggle. I'm worried about these people who, uh, you know, who are struggling so much. You, you, know, you know what the percentage of suicide rates is right now? You know how many people are just taking their lives? Because they find no meaning. When there, there is meaning, Jesus is meaning. But who's giving it to them? Who's giving it to them? Who is bringing that hope to them? Who is sharing with them that there is hope? That there is there, there, there's something that can be done. And God is the only one who can change life and circumstances. And, and when you're going through tough circumstances, you know that God is going through that with you. He gives you the strength to go that. As a result of Jesus showing that He cared, the compassion, the love, hope to Zacchaeus, As a result of that, Zacchaeus 
stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, everything I have, half of it is to the poor. And if I have steal from anybody, I'll pay it four times. Have you ever seen somebody do that? I never seen in twenty seven years of pastoral ministry, I never seen somebody say, You know what? Yeah, I stole from people. Let me go give them four times what I stole from them. That was a real conversion right there. No messing around. That was a real conversion right there. Because, you know, a lot of times people don't put together the, uh, the economy of a person with their spirituality. No. When, when your heart belongs to God, your belongings don't matter. Because you realize all that belongs to God. God has given you everything you have and He can take it away any moment too. You realize this is God's, it's not mine. The important thing is not what I have. The important thing is, am I helping other people understand that a relationship with God is necessary in life? That all the confusion, all the adversities, all the tough situations that people are going through in life can be helped and solved by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of Jesus Christ, things can change. People's life can change. And so the reaction, the reaction Jesus had, His reaction, number four, His reaction in verse 9, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. He took him, He cared. He gave Him hope. And so salvation came to that house. Jesus was fulfilling His mission. Verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the, the lost. The story of Zacchaeus, it is a story of the Lord seeking a saving and saving a lost man. There is no more, I repeat what I said in the beginning, there is no more wonderful, no more glorious, no more important truth in the Bible than this one in verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Is the single most important truth from the human viewpoint. It is our responsibility to go and seek what is lost. The things we need to do to do that, to do what Jesus did. What, what, the things that we need to do to reach to the lost, what do we need to do? Number one, number one, the first thing we need to do uh, for reaching uh, the lost is have compassion. We talked a little bit about, uh, about that last week. And I will never stop saying, have compassion. Don't judge people, please. D don't be one more Christian that people will say, oh yeah, those Christians, oh, they like to judge. They like to judge. Because we do. We do. And I, I'm including myself into that, because we do. We are so programmed that we forget love comes first. Compassion. Jesus had the tax collectors and the, sinner, and the sinners gathering around Him. The, 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 these lost people who were not running. They were not running from Jesus, but they were running to Him. They were not avoiding Him. They were not ignoring Him. 
They were not even hostile against Him. They, 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 they were with Him. So they were gathering around Him. And I believe the reason and the answer is compassion. Jesus loved them and showed them love and compassionate love instead of condemning their attitudes. The Bible says the, uh, in Luke chapter 15 verse 2, verse 2, it says that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. So when you go to work and you see somebody who is lost and you see their behavior, do you show them love? Or do you stay away from those people? No, no, those people, uh, you know, they're, they curse. I don't want to hear their cursing. It bothers me. That's where you need to sit down. That's where you need to sit down. So you can be light in the darkness. So you can share the hope that is in you. The reason a lot of times people react in those ways is because they are hurting in the inside. And the way of expressing that hurt is to say the things that doesn't please God, but God still loves them. So should you. One of the definitions here in the, word, the Greek word translates as welcome sinners. It's in this verse. He receives, he receives sinners as a friend. This was Jesus' attitude. He welcomed them. He was compassionate and accepting them. You know, a lot of times we just don't think what can happen. I was talking to Pastor Gerardo. Uh, he's one of our pastors in the Tampa area. He's here right now on vacation with his family. And I was sharing. Uh, we, were, we, were, uh, we were eating and we were talking stuff. And he said, uh, he told me about a, a guy who went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. And he said, you know how that guy came to know the Lord? The guy was, uh, the guy was from Nicaragua. And he was one of the um, uh, communists. He was part of the communist party. And he had been involved in all that. He was one of the tough guys, um, you know, in the 80s. And he said this guy was in Tampa, and one of his church members was walking down to the, to the liquor store. He was going to buy some sodas and stuff like that. And this guy was also walking in, and as they were both walking in, they bumped shoulders. And when they bump into each other, it's like the other guy started insulting the Christian guy. And, and so, but this guy already had so many bad things programming. He said that he was going to react in a different way. So he thought. The guy, the, guy, the, the guy who was a communist in the past, he thought, oh, this guy is going to go get a machete out of his trunk. Because the Christian guy went to the car and opened up his trunk. He thought he's either going to get a gun or a machete out of the trunk, out of the trunk right? He said that the, the guy, the, the, the church member, went out there, got a little gift from the church and a little, a little flyer from the church and a gift. And went over to the guy and said, you know what, I'm sorry that I bumped. And the guy was like, he was, he, he was left paralyzed. Like, I thought this guy was going to hurt me. But that's the way his mind works, right? Because of what he be, he's been through. Two weeks later, he showed up at the church. Give his life to the Lord. Walk with the Lord for at least five years before he went to be with the Lord. And the pastor, who was telling me the story yesterday... He said, that guy was so transformed. It was amazing just because somebody 
gave him a gift from the church and a flyer from the church. It's amazing. When you just do an action of love and compassion, you know what people have in their heads. You don't know what they've been through. I judge them. The second thing we need to do to reach, uh, reach the loss is initiative. We've got to have initiative. Jesus saw him and called him. Jesus took the initiative. And um, so having initiative is, is important. How do we practically practice this principle? One of the things that I would recommend is pray for people who are lost in your family. Make a list of people that you're praying for. Make sure the significant prayer, it's a, prayer is a significant part of your life for people who are lost. And when you pray for people, God will give you people so you can share with them a significant part of your ministry in Hope City Church should be directed towards reaching the lost. Every ministry in this church should be focusing on reaching the lost all the time. Whatever we do has to do with something we're going to reach people. Whatever we do, we're not going to do anything religiously. We're going to do everything the way God wants us to do. And we're going to welcome people. And we're going to love on people. Young adult kids... Our kids had a blast from the past last week, for example. See, this is, this is what reaching and becoming just like another person so you can reach to them. Uh, our kids had a blast from the past last week. Let me, let me show you something uh, from last week in the kids' ministry. They had a visit from Moses and God. You don't know who these guys are yet. You don't know. But the kids, that's the people of Israel. And the kids were happy to see these guys. You know, because Moses, you see the guy in blue is Moses. But I'll show you who Moses is in a minute. Uh, go, go, go next. See, now you can tell, right? A little bit more. Well, you got Moses. You got God, the representation of God right there and the people of Israel following. So here's Moses. So you can see who Moses was. Take the beer off and it's uh, our brother Tom. You know, he is, he is Moses. You know? A blast from the past to the kids, right? And then, you know, th- there's all the things that are going on in the kids' ministry. For example, let's, let's continue p- putting the slides. Uh, then you got Pharaoh right here. You got the king. Hey, I didn't know, Stephen. That, that's, you, your son has a kingship right there. Um, so um, then the kids also did uh, different other, other activities during that week. Now, you got one of them that learned how to have the armor of God, right? So then the other, the other thing they did is they did, um, uh, next, they, they were doing a movie night, so they put it all together. And, and, but our blast from the Tom and, and Ron went over there, and they wanted to re- reach out to the kids. And, and so one of those children, I was getting a haircut from her mom this week. And one of those children came out to me running, she said, Pastor, you're here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting my haircut. And she goes, ah, so I can ask you a question. I said, sure. When did Jesus die? Oh, I, I, it gave me an opportunity to share with her a lot of things 
try to went down to her level and show her how, you know, how it's, what, what, what does it mean before Christ and after Christ and when did he die and why did he die? At the end I said, have you ever given your life to Jesus? I think so. So have you ever prayed and given your heart to Jesus? She said, no. I said, would you like to do that today? Guess what she said? I do. And I said, did you know that he didn't just die, but he rise from the dead? And she, But this is her expression. I was like, you know, you shared the gospel with no matter who and what, you shared the gospel. You show people hope. That is the it, We have lost our mission, people. If we're not doing that, we're lost. And I want you to share something, one more thing with you. Before we get done, let's go to the next slide, please. This is what the Apostle Paul said, okay? The Apostle Paul said, when I was, a, when I was with the Jews, I live like a Jew. Why? So I can bring Jewish people to Christ. The Apostle Paul understood mission. And... The, because he was an apostle, because he understood this was the mission, because people are in need of a Savior. People are in need of hope. People are in need of compassion. People are in need of love. And he said, the Jewish people would not accept me if I don't act like them. So I became a Jew, so I can bring some to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. I didn't criticize them. It's like saying, you know, those, those who like to vote for this party, I, went, I, I, I was just behaving like them as long as they can hear me about Christ. Doesn't mean I'm that. Doesn't mean I'm going to vote for that. But, but a lot of times we're more worried about who we're voting for. Then we make exceptions of people. I don't care who you're voting for. Don't even bring politics into the church, please. I was not... I was not brought into the church for, for, for... God did not bring me into the church. He didn't save me to root for a political party. He saved me so I can save people. And Paul says, you know what? If, 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 if they live under the law, I live like living under the law. Even though the law doesn't control me. I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring those to Christ. Who are those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. So I, I came and I became all people, all to all people, so I can reach. My goal is not who am I going to become. My goal, he said, is to reach some of those and save some of those. Look at what it says at the end. He says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save. Is that what you do? We, we ought to be a life-saving station, a lifeguard-saving station. We're not a social club. We're a church. We are alive. 
car saving station. People are drowning out there. People are drowning out there. And I hope breaks. You know how I came to know the Lord? You know how I went back to church after so many years of hurting? A person, I was at a laundromat. And a person was, after church, they went to eat lunch. And it was a husband and wife. And they went through that laundromat. I was watching my clothes. And somebody gave me a flyer. I read it. And that night I went back to, I went to church. And that night that I went back to, that I went back to church after so many years. After, after church, I was sitting in a pew like you are, crying like a little baby. Because I understood that only God can give me hope. You have no idea how many people you cross their paths every day who are in that same need. You are not to judge. You are to love. You are to show compassion. You are to read to the lost. Because that's why Jesus came. Father, we want to thank you this morning. For your love and your mercy. We pray, Father, that we will hold this value to our hearts. That we will that, that, that our hearts will break for what breaks yours. That we will understand that our there are so many people, and then when they come to church, we are going to love them. And we are going to show them compassion, and we are going to show them that we care. Because you care. Because you are compassionate. Father, we pray that we will not miss the mark. That we will be a place where hope is going to be shared and preached from this pulpit every single week. That the truth of the word is going to be shared, but with hope. With hope. We pray, Father, and we ask you to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.